We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're doing a mid-season review on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners at Rotoviz. Back for another episode of the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. You know, it goes back and forth between podcast, fantasy football show, Rotoviz Podcast, all of that. Moral of the story here is uh I'm already rambling, and that's because it's just me for this episode. Um Curtis and I trying to figure out when we're going to get the start sit show in this week, but this is an episode idea that I had in mind that I think I can make my way through on a solo basis. Uh, this is kind of an exercise that very honestly, I've done little preparation for because I think it will be more interesting if I kind of live react as I make my way through this exercise. And what we're going to be doing here is pulling up preseason Actually, we're going to have to go the opposite way. We're, what we're going to do is we're going to look at each position and we're going to look at PPR points per game going from one down the list and comparing that to preseason ADP. I'm going to point out things that have been different, things that have been surprising. Um, we'll just kind of make sense of, of some of the things that have happened. I always find it fascinating to look back and, you know, this is a little bit later than I wanted to do this review, uh, but I think we're, we still have enough of a memory of what people were thinking back towards the beginning of September and some of the things that we might have expected. So uh, let's make our way in. Let's start with quarterback. Now, the overall number one quarterback currently in points per game is a name that we probably would not be at all surprised to see. And that is Jalen hurts. He is currently number one in PPR per game. He is number one in expected points per game. He's number four in rush yards among quarterbacks. He is number um, 11 in fantasy points over expectation per game. Number six in completion percentage in week one against the Patriots. He only scored 16.2 fantasy points, 
was a QB2. Since then, he has been a QB1 every single week. He's averaging 26.1 PPR per game. He was being selected as the QB2. Behind him, we have Josh Allen at 25.8 as the QB2 heading into the year. He was the third quarterback coming off of the board. Very high-level overview of Allen here would show us that he is number five in rush yards, number one in passing touchdowns, one in completion percentage, uh, two in attempts, and actually number three in fantasy points over expectation per game. However, uh, he has had three QB1, or excuse me, three QB2 performances, which translates into 27% of his games. He's been a QB2, a QB1 73% of the time. So hers does have some separation there, which I think is, is notable. Behind them, Justin Herbert was the QB6 heading into the year. He is currently at QB3 with 23.71. Uh, High-level overview of how he has gotten to that point. He is number three in passing touchdowns. Of course, we've seen Keenan Allen be absolutely absurd this year, as always. He's seven in QBR, seven in pass yards, number two in EP per game, number 17 in fantasy points over expectation per game. Now, there's been two games where he has not been a QB1, so he's been a QB1 in 80% of games. However, Against the Jets in week nine, he only put up 8.5 as a QB three. Continuing down the list, we see our first very large difference. And that is because CJ Stroud, the rookie, comes in as QB four, averaging 23.4 PPR per game. He was being selected as the QB 30 in FFPC redraft ADP heading into the season. Stroud ranks number two in pass yards, number nine in passing touchdowns, eight in QBR, 25 in rush yards, number 14 in expected points per game, but actually number four in fantasy points over expectation per game. Now, he did have a 48.5 point performance against Tampa Bay in week nine, which certainly helps to elevate his stats to some degree, but he has been a QB one in 60% of games, QB two in 40%. Now, generally that 60% mark is kind of what you would expect to see even from quarterbacks towards the top. So the first three guys we saw, uh, or the first four, maybe. Yeah. The first, or sorry, the first three guys that we saw, those are pretty inflated uh, percentages in comparison to what you would commonly see. We had Kirk Cousins coming in at QB5. Um, unfortunately, his season has been, you know, cut short. After going at uh, QB14. So it was good to see things go in, in Cousins' way when he was active. Unfortunately, his season cut short. Uh, Kyler Murray is QB6 right now in terms of points per game. Of course, he was going at 27 due to the fact that he was expected and did miss a good portion of the year. Lamar Jackson was going as the QB4, comes in at QB7 with 22.3 points per game, followed by Patrick Mahomes 
at number eight, he was actually going as the QB one. And if we drill into this a little bit, what we're going to see here is that Mahomes and Kansas City's offense have not been putting up some of the numbers we've been accustomed to over the last couple of years. He's nine in passing touchdowns, nine in pass yards, um, 12th in attempts. QBR is at 11. He is six in rush yards, is number four in expected points per game, but just number 21 in fantasy points over expectation per game. And we see that he's been a QB one in 67% of games, QB two, 22%, and a QB three in that game against Denver, giving him an 11% uh, time, or in 11% of games, he's been a QB three. So a little bit different than people expected. Um, if you go and you look at the, the Chiefs offense, uh, and you haven't really been following the trends this year, I think you might be surprised where they rank in some of the passing numbers. Um, I still think, though, you know, you, you, we'll have to see how things finish. Um, but the way that this board is is kind of set up now is working their way down. I think it could be hard for Mahomes to make a significant jump up uh, up the board here. Granted, though, we are looking at a pretty thin margin as he is at 22.2. And even, you know, CJ Stroud, who's the QB four currently is only at 22 or excuse me, 23.36. So behind Mahomes, you have Tua. He was the QB 10. He's at QB nine. Prescott uh, was going 11. He's at 10. Then you have Brock Purdy, who I mentioned the other night has very impressive numbers, doing very impressive things as a real-life quarterback. He was going as the QB 23. He currently sits at the QB 11 from a points-per-game perspective. And if you kind of drill into him in the NFL Stat Explorer on rotoviz.com, what you will see is that he is number one in completion percentage, minimum of 30 attempts on that number, number one in QBR, Number six in pass yards, number six in passing touchdowns. Now, San Francisco is 20, or he is 25 in pass attempts. He's number 32 in expected points per game, but number one in fantasy points over expectation per game. Has he gotten some help by, you know, playing and throwing to guys like Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel? Absolutely. Uh, but there is a lot to like or, or to kind of admire what he has been able to do this year. He's been a QB1 in 70% of weeks, QB2 in 20%, and a QB3 in 10%. So, uh, you know, one of the more notable names there when we're looking at differences. So we've got Stroud, we've got Purdy. You get down, you got Sam Howell, who was the QB24. He is currently the QB12. And we will take a quick stop here to look a little bit deeper into Howell. And he's averaging 21.4 PPR per game. He did record one QB3 week. That was in week three against Buffalo. Uh, I honestly don't remember if he exited that one early. No, he, um, let me see here, did put up 29 passes, completed just 19, did throw four picks. So that, that was quite a blemish. 
Uh, but other than that game, he has been a QB two eighteen percent of the time, QB one seventy three percent of the time, and actually in one of his QB two weeks, he did put up twenty two point five points. Um, so what we're seeing from Sam Howell is a lot of opportunity. He's number one in attempts, number thirteen in completion percentage, number one in pass yards, six in passing touchdowns. He's actually nine in rush yards. Uh, he is three in expected points per game albeit not being that efficient at 39 in fantasy points over expectation per game, but he hasn't had to be particularly efficient to significantly outperform where he was being drafted. Behind Howell, you have Josh Dobbs, who was going undrafted, averaging almost 21 points per game. We've talked about Dobbs and how ridiculous uh, and exciting it is with what he's done this year in Arizona, now Minnesota, so... Anybody that drafted Josh Dobbs, the payoff there has been tremendous. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It is almost the end of 2023. We are coming up to the holiday season. I, for one, am very excited about the holidays as they approach. But it can be a time of the year where you may struggle with seasonal blues. It can be a wonderful time, but it can also be a challenging time. But adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings. Therapy can be a bright spot amid the stress and change. Something to look forward to, to make you feel grounded. Give you the tools to manage everything going going on. 2023 was the first year that I tried therapy. I started in early 2023 and have continued throughout. It's helped me to learn positive coping skills, to help me work through the process on a day-to-day basis, and to help me process some life events. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched to a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash RotoViz today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash RotoViz. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Justin Fields. This is where we see the first, uh, well, maybe you could say the second large delta going in the in the wrong direction. Fields was going as the QB7. He, from a points-per-game perspective, is the QB14. Then you add into that the games that he has missed, and uh, he has certainly been disappointing for the managers that did select him. Now, you have his games from weeks one to week six, where in 50% of them, he was a QB one, was a QB one against Detroit in week 11, did have a QB three game against Minnesota in week six, two QB two games, um, weeks two and three. I think you could make the case that he might've been able to approximate that ADP, uh, if we had more games in the sample where he could kind of rebound from some of those early struggles, um, hopefully things can finish a little bit better for him. Uh, Jared Goff is the QB 15. He was being drafted QB 18. Russell Wilson drafted 20 versus 16. Anthony Richardson was going at 12 finishes as the QB 17. Uh, however, though, I'm pretty sure that those numbers uh, can't really be looked at given being injured in game. Uh, but yeah, Anthony Richardson, I think was on his way to proving a lot of people, myself included to be incorrect. Jordan love going as the QB 22. He's QB 18. Then we see another pretty big difference here. And that is for Trevor Lawrence, who was going as the QB eight is currently the QB 19. And a lot of people were expecting there to be this big leap. But what we've seen from Lawrence really is just scraping by over the 20 point mark uh, in two games. He had a 20.2 point performance to open against the Colts in week seven, put up 20.1 against the Saints. Now he did put up 34.8 against Tennessee with some nice touchdown passes to Calvin Ridley over the weekend and 22.9 against Buffalo in week five. Still, he's been a QB one in just 50% of games, 30% of games, a QB two, and he has two QB three performances on the year coming against Kansas city in week two, followed by San Francisco in week 10. He ranks 10th in completions and completion percentage 13 in passing yards, but a big issue has been he is just number 20 in passing touchdowns. He's 14 in QBR, does rank number seven in rush yards, but he's 21 in EP per game. And despite being slightly more efficient uh, with a 19 rank on fantasy points over expectation per game, just hasn't been enough to anywhere near return on what owner or what managers had to invest into him. Uh, Baker Mayfield is at 20 versus an ADP of 33. And then a very, very notable one here. 
You have Joe Burrow, who is going as the QB5, being just the QB21 in points per game. And there definitely has been a stark contrast between weeks one and six before his team went on by and since. However, he's been trending down since returning against San Francisco in week eight. He's averaging just 17.2 PPR per game. He's only been a QB1 40% of the time, a QB2 in 30% of games, and a QB3 in 30% of games. The real wild thing is when you go back and you look at weeks one through four, uh, where collectively he went under 40 points. Now, if we look at his average since returning uh, from by, he's at 22.4 PPR per game. Put up 30.4, I believe, as I mentioned, against the Niners, then 25.8 against Buffalo, 23.4 against Houston, then just 9.8 against the Ravens in that Thursday night contest. Uh, so he certainly has been a disappointment um, at this point, just number 13 in passing touchdowns, 17 in pass yards. And that's that's on, though, the third highest attempt total. He's number 10 in EP per game but number 54 among quarterbacks in fantasy points over expectation per game. So I've kind of drilled in a little bit here, uh, more in depth on the quarterbacks than I was expecting. Uh, behind him, you have Deshaun Watson. He's going nine. He's 22 in PPR per game, has missed a lot of time, uh, followed by Geno Smith, who is 23, but was going at 16. Um, I think that calls out the the notable deltas there at quarterback. So let's make our way now to running back. No surprises here. Christian McCaffrey was going as the number one running back off the board. He currently ranks number one in PPR per game, has also played 10 games. So Christian McCaffrey has been an absolute slam dunk this year. Behind him, granted, this player's only played five games, but man, were those games impactful. Hopefully, you have them in your lineup. Uh, Devin Chan with a P ADP of 43, position rank of two. Would have been nice to see him be able to get more involved on uh, the game over the weekend. Hopefully, we can see him get back to full health and get to see the Dolphins rely more on him. Behind that, you have Alvin Kamara. Now, of course, his numbers were, or his preseason ADP was depressed due to the fact that he was going to miss time. He was going at 25. He is running back three in terms of uh, PPR per game, averaging 20.47. Uh, just to give a little bit more context on Kamara here, since his return in week four, he has been an RB1 in all but one game. So 86% of the time in RB1. Very impressive stuff from him. The next player, also a huge delta. So we see four very large deltas when you're looking at the top five. You have Kyron Williams, who is going with an ADP of RB64, currently the RB4 in points per game course there's the caveat that he did miss a lot of time hopefully he can return to action this weekend and then rounding out this group of players far outplaying their adp we have raheem mostert who was going 
as the RB40, but is actually the RB5 from a PPR per game perspective. And if you look at Mostert's season, uh, he's been an RB1 in 40% of weeks, an RB2 in 40% of weeks. So you've only really had um, two weeks where he was largely a disappointment. Um, Things could look different for him. Sure, as Chan gets back and more involved. But right now, if you look at Mostert, he's number two in rush yards, six in yards per carry. Uh, He's number two in total touchdowns, number five in PPR per game, number 22 in EP per game, and number two in fantasy points over expectation per game. Definitely benefiting from that efficiency. And I, I, I probably should say that these numbers are certainly exaggerated when you go in and you look at his accumulation over the year, because in week two, he put up 25.7 week three, he put up 45.2 and week six, he put up 34.2. Uh, those games are very, very inflated versus all others. Uh, if you look across his bar graphs on the year, now, obviously those games count, but kind of what I'm saying is, is in comparison to other players, those are pulling up his average, um, in an outsized way versus maybe some of the more consistent performances for other players. Uh, personally though, I love getting weeks like that onto my roster. So you have Jameer Gibbs, who was going as the RB nine at RB six, Travis ETN, who was going at RB 12 at RB seven. Then another very large disparity, David Montgomery. He's played seven games. He was going as the RB 27, but is the RB Eight. So we got two Lions players towards the top here. We got two Dolphins players. Montgomery has managed to do this by ranking number four in total touchdowns and number five in fantasy points over expectation per game has been an RB1 in 57% of the games that he's played. Definitely a surprise. Behind him, you have Saquon Barkley, who's being drafted RB5, ranks currently... RB9, Austin Eckler was going at two, is 10. Uh, Then the first player going the wrong way here, you had Rashad White, or no, excuse me, we're not quite there yet. Rashad White was going at RB23, and he did have that one week where he kind of splashed, but I feel like he's silently been the RB11, and I want to drill in a little bit more on this to give a to give some more context here, because like I said, I think this is something that easily could have been missed. Uh, and the reason why he's doing so well is he's actually number 10 in terms of rushing attempts. Um, he's number eight in opportunities, number two in receiving yards, number six in targets among running backs. And from an EP per game perspective is number 10. And he's 31 in terms of fantasy points over expectation per game. He has been an RB1 in 60% of weeks with a total of six RB1 performances. And since week seven has been an RB1 every week, two RB2 performances in there as well, two RB3 performances. So Rashad White has definitely delivered. uh, And you're seeing many of the things that people that advocated for him expected come to fruition with his role in the receiving game, then you add on to that to a substantial workload as a rusher. And 
it's easy to see why he's been so successful. You know, you you look at the receiving touchdowns and he's actually only put in one receiving touchdown as a rusher. He has combined uh, this year for four rushing touchdowns. So impressive stuff there from white. Then you have Brian Robinson for the commanders who ranks in at number um, 12 from an actual uh, per per game rank here. Let me quickly look up Robinson. I don't have his uh, ADP number right in front of me. He was going at RB 33, so pretty big delta there as well. DeAndre Swift was going at 29 versus 13. Zach Moss, 63 versus 14. Talked about that a little bit earlier in the year. You're Joe Mixon going as the RB10 versus RB15. Hopefully you were getting in on Mixon way back early in the summer when we talked about him uh, before the price shot up. Josh Jacobs was going as the RB8. He is the RB16. Brees Hall, uh, pretty much spot on here. Um, going as RB15 currently is RB17. Perhaps if Aaron Rodgers had been able to stick around, we would be looking at a different outcome for him. Uh, Ken Walker, RB16 versus RB18. Bijan Robinson is the RB9. He was going as the RB3. Jonathan Taylor, pretty much in step. Then this one really kills me. Tony Pollard was going as the RB6, but he is the RB21. Uh, let's just zoom in here for a minute on Pollard. So he has been an RB1 40% of the time in four games, an RB2 just a single time, and an RB3 50% of the time. Of course, that is problematic. And the biggest disappointment here is that Pollard, and if you weren't going in and looking at game logs, and trying to make sense of him on a weekly basis. You might not be expecting this, but he's actually number six in total opportunities. Uh, number nine in attempts, number 10 in targets. His expected points per game would have him at RB9, but he's just been so inefficient. He's actually 120 among running backs in terms of fantasy points over expectation per game. So the workload has been there. He's number 25, though, in total touchdowns. And that is just not going to cut it when you were running back being selected in the top six. Derrick Henry going at seven versus 22. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco was 30 versus 23. Gus Edwards, of course, uh, able to outplay his ADP of RB65. Some of that is due to the injury to J.K. Dobbins. He is the RB24. Similar situation as we have Jerome Ford at RB25. He was going as RB57. Uh, Jalen Warren, 37 versus 26. And then another significant one here. Ramondre Stevenson, who was going as the RB11, is the RB27. You're going to see a lot of players from New England failing to do what was expected of them. James Cook was going as the RB20. He is the RB28. Another one of those players that did not live up to what I was hoping they would be able to do this year. Um, you don't need to hear me get on my soapbox or have a tie a tribe about you know how I think he should be used differently. Interesting thing on Cook, though, is that he's number three in rushing yards. 
But the problem's been he's just number 25 in total touchdowns because he's not getting the usage in those moments when the Bills could use him to score touchdowns. As a result of that, he's been in RB1 just 27% of the time and RB3 in 55% of weeks this year. Dante Foreman was going a 68. He's the RB29. And um, I think that's where we'll cut it. Um, at least chronicling all of these. Let me just make sure there aren't any other huge differences. Najee Harris, 13 versus 39. Most people are probably aware of that one. And uh, Damian Pierce has been in seven games. He was going against the RB17. He is the RB45. So let's make our way over to wide receiver. Of course, as everybody knows, you had Justin Jefferson going as the wide receiver one. He has missed significant time, played in just five games, but he's the RB4. Tyreek Hill, however, was going as the wide receiver three. He's averaging 25.89 PPR, absolutely killing it as the wide receiver one, followed by Keenan Allen at 23.32. And Allen was going as the wide receiver 16. Allen, this one, I will offset some of the Pollard and the Cook takes that I shared here uh, with Allen. In the interest of full disclosure, though, Curtis was higher on Allen than I was. Fortunately, though, we both liked him and got him onto a number of our teams. Um, but I do appreciate the fact that Curtis might have got my exposure to Allen up even a little bit higher than it would have been, um, especially on these teams that we drafted that uh, you know are in some of the larger tournaments. So that's always fun. AJ Brown, eight versus three. Uh, C.D. Lamb, six versus five. Amon Ross St. Brown, five versus six. Diggs, four versus seven. Jamar Chase was going as the wide receiver, two. You know, we talked about the struggles for Joe Burrow. Fortunately, that hasn't been quite as impactful for Chase, who is the wide receiver, eight. Then you get to probably the most notable delta that we're going to talk about this evening, and that is Puka Nakua going... Very often in the last round of drafts is kind of this throwaway player at wide receiver 90. He still holds on to 17.78 PPR per game as the wide receiver nine. Now, it would have been great for all of you that followed my advice and went out and got a ton of Van Jefferson. Uh, Van Jefferson had been able to do this but it was Puka Nakua who you just can't say enough great things about given the season that he's had. It is, It has been an interesting accumulation, though. He's been a wide receiver one in 60% of games, but a wide receiver three in all of the other games, 40% of the time. So you've either seen these very large games or these very low games, but really what matters here is he's nine in overall PPR nine in PPR per game and number nine in expected points per game, uh, 42 in fantasy points over expectation per game, how he's gotten here. He's number seven in targets, eight in receptions, six in receiving yards, 17 in air yards, number eight in Whopper, uh, number 18 in racer. It has just been a tremendous rookie campaign for Puka Nakua. We'll see how things close out, but certainly in the running to be, 
uh, the fantasy MVP at the end of the year. Has he slowed down to some degree? Sure. Uh, between weeks one and five, he was a wide receiver one and four of those five weeks. In week six to 11, he's been a wide receiver three in three games, but a wide receiver one and two. So, met a bye week in week 10, uh, which might also contribute to feeling like he slowed down a little bit. But we're probably going to see me, you know, we, a couple of wide receiver one weeks from him before things close out. Um, especially if Cooper Cup uh, continues to have health issues. Um, so Nakua is really a slam dunk there. Followed by another player here uh, that has surprised many. That was Adam Thielen going as the wide receiver 59. He's currently the wide receiver 10. The thought with Thielen was that there just is not much else for Bryce Young to use in that offense. And it's managed to work. You have Thielen ranking number 10 in targets. He's number 10 in PPR per game, number 12 in expected points per game. So that kind of came to fruition. Hasn't been super efficient, ranks number 42 in fantasy points over expectation per game. But that target volume has allowed him to finish with over 17 points per game. Three wide receivers, yeah, three wide receiver and one finishes, 30%. Uh, also 30% in the wide receiver two bucket, 40% in the wide receiver three bucket. But for the investment you have to make on Thielen, managers are very excited. DJ Moore was going as the wide receiver 20, uh, is currently the wide receiver 11. Mike Evans, the wide receiver 35 versus the wide receiver 12. Hat tip to Baker Mayfield for being able to come out Prove Curtis and I wrong. Get Evans to these levels. You had Mike Williams going at 26. Unfortunately, his season was cut short at the time. He was the wide receiver 13. Ayuk 28 versus 14. Tank Dell largely going undrafted is the wide receiver 15. We've talked a lot about him, so we don't need to drill in there. Um, Michael Pittman was going as the wide receiver 40. Between playing with Gardner Minshew and Anthony Richardson is the wide receiver 16. Hard to underscore um, what this says about his ability, I think, as a receiver. or um, Yeah, no, I think we're going to go with that one. <laughs> you could say that it could speak more to the ability of Minshew and, and Richardson as quarterbacks, but you know, impressive to see Michael Pittman able to pull this off. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, behind him, you got Nico Collins, 53 versus 17. So CJ Stroud supporting two top 17 wide receivers. Uh, Devontae Adams, nine versus 18. Cortland Sutton, 43 versus 19. And get this, Noah Brown, 148 versus 20. And that means, my friends, in the top 20 right now, of PPR per game, and granted, Noah Brown only has played in five games, but CJ Stroud has three wide receivers 
in the top 20. That is wild. That is another super notable Delta. I mean, really, if you got in on any of these players, now, fortunately, we had talked about Nico Collins a fair amount, especially early on in the year. Uh, so hopefully that's been able to benefit and offset some of the bad takes that I had heading into the year. Uh, but just, man, CJ Stroud, so impressive. Jordan Addison, 36 versus 21. I guess that's maybe one in the W bucket for me. Olave, 12 versus 22. Christian Kirk, 30 versus 23. Jacoby Myers, a surprise, 55 versus 24. Now, Myers got off to a very, very solid start. Hasn't been quite as potent the last couple of weeks, uh, but still averaging 13.7 PPR per game. Has been a wide receiver one 30% of the time. Wide receiver two 30% of the time. He is number eight in total touchdowns. Number 32 in expected points per game. Um, Continuing along here, Metcalf 17 versus 25. Garrett Wilson 7 versus 26. Uh, Jalen Waddle 11 versus 27. Devonta Smith 13 versus 28. I'll probably stop reading through everyone now. Call out Kendrick Bourne was going as the wide receiver in 124. Unfortunately, a season got cut short, but he was the wide receiver 32 in that time span. Uh, thanks to a nice catch in the preseason, Calvin Ridley got up to the wide receiver 14. He's currently the wide receiver 33. Uh, Debo Samuel, it's probably notable, was the wide receiver 18 versus the wide receiver 34. Really has shifted to Brandon Ayuk being the wide receiver of the most significance there. Um, Cooper Cup was going at 10. He's wide receiver 40. Um, Chris Godwin, just to piggyback off of the talk about Evans was going at wide receiver 27, but is wide receiver 41. Josh Downs, probably notable. He's a wide receiver 47. He was going at 113. Tutu Atwell, 125 versus 52. T Higgins, 15 versus 50. Uh, and that's probably where we will cut it. But the main takeaway from there, I think, is just how ridiculous uh, C.J. Stroud and that Houston offense have been in outplaying the wildest dreams of many fans and many fantasy managers. We'll round things out by making our way to tight end. No surprise, Travis Kelsey averaging 17.6 PPR is going as the tight end one. He is the tight end one. Pretty chalky. Next couple of picks. Uh, Hawkinson was going three versus being two. Kittle, five versus three. Andrews, two versus four. Then we get to Sam Laporta, who was going as the tight end 14 and is currently the tight end five. Uh, we have talked about Laporta this year, but we'll zoom in on him for a moment here. This is a very notable year for a rookie wide receiver, rookie tight end practically playing like a wide receiver. He has been a tight end one in 60% of games. In all of the other 40% of games, he has been a tight end two. He ranks fourth in targets, five in receptions, five in receiving yards, six in total touchdowns, four in air yards, five in EP per game, and six in fantasy points over expectation per game. This is huge. This is absolutely huge. This will probably end up being one of the best rookie tight end seasons that we've seen in a while. This is going to be up there uh, probably with the 
Evan Engram season, I want to say, um, and a couple of other rookie tight ends that we saw put up kind of historic performances. Behind him, you have Dalton Schultz, 13 versus 6. Cole Komet, 17 versus 7. Despite the injury to Justin Fields, Dalton Kincaid, 11 versus 8. And I don't want that talk that I just had about Laporta to take away from Kincaid. Now, keep in mind, Kincaid was earlier on in the year sharing the field with Dawson Knox. You have seen a huge shift since the team's buy in week six. The first five weeks of the year, he was a tight end two, three times, tight end three, two times. Since week seven, though, he has been a tight end one every game. He's now averaging 10.7 PPR, but from week seven on, has averaged 15.6. As I alluded to earlier, with an injury to Knox, him being removed from the equation, I think that is notable. You're looking at him now largely as the number two option for Josh Allen. He's four in receptions among tight ends, eight in targets. That number should continue to, to go up, at least uh, you know his total per game. He's two in racer among tight ends. He is just number 15 in EP per game, but number seven in fantasy points over expectation per game. So we've seen two absolutely tremendous rookie tight end seasons. Evan Ingram, eight versus nine. Logan Thomas just refusing to quit. Uh, had an ADP of tight end 48 versus a actual ranking currently of 10. Jake Ferguson, 21 versus 11. One that uh, hopefully worked out for those of uh, you listeners out there that managed to get Ferguson towards the end of your draft, Dallas Goddard, six versus 12, Darren Waller, four versus 13. Especially for those of you in us uh, FFPC leagues, which are the good majority of our listeners, Waller, a major disappointment. Um, you know, the injury, there's nothing you can do about that. That always hurts. But, you know, it, it, absent that, I think just the the points per game accumulation was really lacking. You did get three nice tight end one weeks from him, but I mean, you had 38% of his games when he was playing go as tight end three games. That was three weeks. Uh, and these were, these were low total games. He was just 16 in targets, um, 87 in fantasy points over expectation per game versus eight in expected points per game. Now, of course that entire giants offense, uh, the, the team, it's really just been since the very first game, just a comedy of errors. You've had unfortunate injuries uh, with their quarterbacks, but things just did not go in any good direction for people that use an early pick on Darren Waller. You got Taysom Hill, 32 versus 15. Jonu Smith, who is going very late. Uh, at tight end 16, McBride 37 versus 17, Kate Auden 33 versus 18. Then to offset Johnu Smith, Kyle Pitts was going as the tight end seven, just the tight end 19. I think we've beat that horse to death. Uh, and that probably gets us through, with the exception of Pat Fryermuth, though, who's missed a lot of time, nine versus 28. I think that gets us through all of the notable differences. So, to quickly recap here, um, and I'm not going to try to have many actionable takeaways. I think this this is just a more interesting review. The wide receiver performances from the Rams wide receivers, not named Cooper Cup, and the Houston wide receivers have been some of the most seismic shifts in the fantasy landscape that we're currently in versus what people expected in 
September. So hard to just really uh, say enough about that. And I think too, if you look at a couple of the quarterbacks and some of the players on the teams that we mentioned, you know, you can kind of see the story developing within teams um, of how we've arrived where we had. So um, we will come back and do this at the end of the year. Uh, super interesting stuff though. And I always like to do this at the midpoint and towards the end to make sure that I've got my mind fully calibrated to the situation that we're going to be heading into once drafts start coming around for next year. Cause obviously these outcomes should be informing player value in drafts. Um, now it doesn't mean that those player values are right, but it's going to be important to kind of level set, make sure that you're on page with how things actually paid out, played out, uh, versus what perceptions are going to be. So that if there's a mismatch, you're able to capitalize as you start working through your best ball drafts or any redraft leagues that, you know, perhaps have off season activities where you have to make some level of decisions. So thanks for stopping by. Hopefully you are thankful for many of the players on this list. Uh, you know, hope that you get to enjoy some time with your family, uh, watching some good football and, uh, you know, always, we are always very thankful for everybody that checks in on the podcast, listens every week on everybody that subscribes to the site. So best of luck this weekend, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. 